Hello, and welcome to episode 71 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Anthony Malakian, and I am the U.S. Editor of Waters Technology. Um, so today we're going to try something a little bit different, always trying new things, keep you entertained, and hopefully keep you informed. Uh, earlier this week, we hosted an event here in uh, New York City called the North American Financial Information Summit. Uh, it was hosted by our uh, sibling publication, uh, Inside Data Management. And it was an all-day event, and one of the keynote uh, speakers was Stephen Morse, the former head of Global Financial Data Partnerships for Twitter. And he spoke about uh, the use of social data and social analytics and how this wealth of unstructured data can be used potentially to extract alpha. So uh, after I'm done speaking here, we're going to go right into that, into his presentation. Uh, you'll get to hear it in full. Um, it was really interesting stuff, so hopefully you find some value in it. Um, next week, uh, I am very hopeful that I will have some uh, news to be able to tell you about, uh, about our new reporter. As you may know, if you listen to the podcast regularly, I've been hosting this the last couple of weeks uh, since Dan moved over to Risk. Uh, we have uh, my new partner in my new partner in crime will be joining. Uh, we're just uh, dotting some I's and crossing some T's, but hopefully I'll be able to announce that either next week or the week after, definitely. Um, but we'll be back to full strength and back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's see what else. Um, before we get into Stephen's presentation, uh, just real quick reminder: if you're an end user, uh, the Waters rankings are now open for voting. Um, it, you know, you can. There are 30 categories. You can vote in them all. You can vote in just a handful. Uh, just, just quickly go through it and give it a look. Um, again, these are only open to end users. No vendors are allowed. No consultants. No, um, you know, whatever, whatever else. Only end users. Banks and uh, asset managers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and let's see here. Other than that, we have some big events and stuff like that coming up in uh, in the future. But we'll get into that more next week. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to turn this over. And uh, this is Stephen Morse, who is speaking at the North American Financial Information Summit on talking about Twitter and the uses of that kind of social uh, information to drive value. Thank you very much indeed, Max. Um, uh, thanks to Brioni and the Waters technology team for, for having me here. And thanks to all of you for uh, sticking around the back end of the day. And hopefully um, I can tell you something interesting about alternative data. I'm going to start with a, with a question. What is this guy? Uh, familiar face, hopefully, to all of you. Activist investor Carl Icahn have in common with this little chap. Uh, if you have kids or grandkids, you'll know that's Pikachu from Pokemon. Um, I'll leave you pondering that, and I'll aim to um, come back to both of them later on in the presentation. Um, but before we get going too far, um, I want to uh, have a, a sort of an informal poll here, which I've done before in the past. Um, how many of you have a social media account? Um, any, any account, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. That's a pretty good show of hands. I think we probably had about 90, 80, 90% of the room there. Thank you. Um, and now, if you could raise your hands again, if you use social media for business at all. So again, any social media account for business at all. We lost a lot of hands, but we probably got about 40% of the room there. Thank you for that. And then finally, um, if you use Twitter for business at all, could you raise your hand? We've lost a lot of people. We've got about 5 or 10% of the room. Um, but thank you very much indeed for that, that informal poll. Um, I've 
I've done that um, several times over the last several years, and the number of hands being raised for every question is, is, is increasing all the time, but still not as high as, as I might expect. Um, but I want to start by talking about change. Um, as we all know, markets continue to undergo massive change and upheaval. There's regulatory pressures that continue across the industry. You've talked about a, a lot about that today. Fee pressures on both the buy side and the sell side. Um, active managers uh, are under pressure, and we see deteriorating returns from most hedge funds. And the astounding rise, of course, of passive money management and now smart beta products too. And yet, in the face of that, in the market data and information world, I'd say we have commoditization of traditional data sets. Everyone's using the same data, and little seems to have changed over recent years. Um, except until now, um, there's a band of early adopters, contrarian thinkers, who I think have seen the change coming. Uh, they've seen massive amounts of new, non-traditional data that have come available in a digital era, and they're consuming and analyzing new data and finding new sources of alpha to gain competitive advantage. There are a lot of buzzwords thrown around. Alternative data is the one that's most commonly used. Big data, of course. Um, but really, this is new data. Um, not all of them are big, uh, but I like to define it as non-traditional market data sources. So what are these new alternative data sets? Well, transaction data, credit card data, point of sale data, um, satellite data and weather data you hear a lot about, gets a lot of media attention. Um, this is being used as an input to forecast crop yields and by some funds to monitor Walmart parking lots. Digital footprint data, web traffic, search trends, app install data, logistics and shipping data, location data, sensor data, the Internet of Things is bringing sensors to everything from vacuum cleaners to thermostats, cars, trucks, smart buildings, smart transportation, smart agriculture, and social data. Since Facebook was founded in 2004, we've been creating a massive digital footprint. So on to social media data. Now I hear you say, yep, I'm on social media. 80% um, of you are. Um, but is this data really for use in capital markets? Isn't it just baby photos and cat videos? <laughs> Crazy cat tricks. Well, until the Trump presidential era, about 100 days or so ago, uh, not many financial market participants were aware of a tweet's ability to move markets. But I think everyone now is well aware that when Trump tweets, markets move. Um, by example, there was this one that made big news in January. Toyota Motor said we'll build a new plant in Baja, Mexico to build Corolla cars for U.S. No way. Build plant in U.S. or pay big border tax. That was the tweet. Toyota shares dropped 3.1% on the day. <clears throat> Lockheed Martin suffered a similar fate with a tweet regarding the cost of the F-35 fighter jets. The stock declined 2.5% on the day, and numerous Trump tweets have impacted the Mexican peso, frequently pushing it lower, and the list goes on. But beyond Trump, there are now a whopping 8 billion social media accounts globally. So as a point of reference, there's a global population now of 7.5 billion. 
Um, as you can see, I don't know if you can see it from the back there, but at the top, um, Facebook rules the roost with nearly a massive, staggering 2 billion social media accounts. Um, but let's not sniff at some of these other networks further down, LinkedIn with 106 million monthly active users. So social is very real, it's very big, and it's here to stay. So what about finance? We're less, less interested in cat videos in our day-to-day -day jobs. So what sources matter in capital markets? Well, Twitter. Why Twitter? What about Facebook? Well, the platforms are just so very different. And I've heard it said this way. If you want to know what's going on with your friends and family, you go to Facebook. If you want to know what's going on in the world, you go to Twitter. And though Twitter's audience size is small by comparison to Facebook, it's still a staggering 319 million monthly active users. And the people on Twitter are not just millennials or mom and pops. They include Fortune 500 CEOs like Jeff Emmelt and Jean Legere, world leaders, obviously Donald Trump, but globally also like Narendra Modi and even Hassan Rouhani of Iran. In fact, 82% of world leaders are on Twitter. Then there are financial journalists, economists, indeed experts on every subject matter from autonomous driving vehicles to blockchain. And Twitter is public in nature. So for those of you who are not on Twitter, what that means is it's distributed, anyone can follow anyone. Um, and that was a key attribute to the SEC when in April 2013, they okayed the use of social media for company announcements in accordance with Reg FD. So now companies are using Twitter for earnings releases, including firms like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. Um, and finally, I think Twitter has led the enterprise data business, making APIs and data available, which means that funds, banks, traders, and others can process the data for research and trading purposes, and they do. Um, we'll touch on some other social data platforms today, including Estimize, Foursquare, StockTwits, and others. Um, and then there are a number of um, uh, fintech companies, analytics firms in the space, who are typically using NLP and machine learning techniques to mine, curate, and find predictive signals for research and trading. And we talked a bit about machine learning in one of the previous uh, panels. But let's start with um, estimates data, um, which hopefully is a nice, comfortable place to start. Sounds like a traditional t data set. However, in this instance, it's not street estimates, but crowdsourced estimates. Estimize is an online social platform where contributors supply structured financial forecasts, earnings per share, and revenue for US equities. Contributors can be investment professionals, independent researchers, individual traders, or students. Um, they uh, report about 50,000 users um, with coverage on 2,000 US stocks and approximately 60,000 estimates per quarter. Um, the platform has been around since 2012, so um, there's now a good amount of data for historical purposes. Um, there have been a number of research papers written on estimized data. In one, the University of San Diego, San Diego, they find that consistent with the wisdom of crowds' effect, crowdsourcing earnings consensus is more accurate than IBIS consensus 57% of the time. And in another, by Deutsche Bank, they find estimize is more accurate than IBIS for estimates taken one week before the announcement, and they go on to construct a post-earnings announcement drift daily trading strategy, 
which they find produces 65 basis points of residual return. Uh, moving on then to sentiment and volatility, a big use of social data by funds and traders is around these types of signals. Um, two of the most frequently uh, used data sources are Twitter and stock twits. Uh, we've talked about Twitter as a platform. Uh, how many folks are familiar with stock twits? Very few, okay. All right, so I'll briefly explain um, stock twits. It's also a microblogging platform, so short form, 140 characters, and it's not unlike Twitter, um, but it's a community focused on stock trading. It has 300,000 active users, but of course all conversation is market-related. Um, another thing in common to both platforms is use of the cash tag when talking about stocks. I don't know whether you can see it from here, but um, it's a dollar sign ticker is the way that this is often um, used on Twitter and stock tweets. And what that does, it makes it easier to connect conversations uh, between people on the platform, and indeed can be a way to mine the data on the back end as well. Um, StockTwits was founded in 2008, Twitter in 2006, and so again, from the perspective of the financial community, there's a good amount of historical data for backtesting. Um, sentiment analysis has been used in finance, um, in machine-readable news, and other forms of text for some time, um, and I'd say it's a, an important cornerstone of behavioral finance, um, though there's debate with some fans and some skeptics. Um, however, I'd suggest, I think, important differences between news sources and social media sources. Uh, news, by nature, um, has textual formats that are more standardized, and normally has some verification, normally has some verification and credibility. Social, on the other hand, tends to be subject to slang and to rumor, um, but it's much bigger data, much bigger. Significantly more viewpoints, more data points, and by definition is the voice of the crowd and not the voice of the media. Um, and that, I think, in a uh, post-Trump election world is a really important differentiator. This, by the way, is a chart for Wells Fargo on the Bloomberg terminal during the flake, fake account scandal last year. Um, price information on the on, uh, above, sentiment is below, and the blue marks are Twitter velocity alerts. Um, one of the interesting things to note here is the stock price recovery from about the beginning of October through to the 12th. You can see that there in the middle of the chart. Um, uh, and yet Twitter sentiment remains negative for almost the entire period, um, but indeed, persistence of the scandal did ultimately drive the stock lower on the 12th when John Stumpf was forced to resign. Um, there are a number of different approaches to sentiment. Some focus on cash tag conversation, others on company and brand mentions. Some look at all conversation on the stock, genuinely harnessing the wisdom of the crowd, while others apply some heavy filtering, so for example, for professional investors only. Um, signal time periods vary from near real time to several days or even longer. Uh, this chart is uh, again on Bloomberg. It's uh, for tweets on Mylan that exploded after the EpiPen pricing scandal last year. Um, most firms in the space, though, tend not to focus on UIs or charts, but instead uh, provide APIs, alerts, and signals. Uh, in addition to sentiment analytics, some look at other measures like intensity of sentiment and volatility. Uh, again, there's a good amount of academic research in this field, and it includes studies from the ECB, 
um, uh, showing Twitter predictive of markets. From Brunel Business School London, showing StockTwits contains valuable information that leads trading activities. And from MIT, showing Twitter predictive of stock market reactions to FOMC meetings. Uh, moving on. Some firms are looking beyond company and cash tag conversation and also at longer term horizons. So beyond listening to market and trader talk, listening for consumer conversation on products, brands, and how that might impact the underlying asset. Uh, here's our friend Pikachu. I told you um, we would come back to him. Uh, the Pokemon Go craze took off last summer. As a reminder, this is the virtual mobile game from Nintendo that has folks walking around bumping into lampposts and, and what have you. Um, in this instance, a firm called Likefolio was monitoring Twitter for mentions of Nintendo, uh, brands, products, and, and obviously specifically for Pokemon Go. And on July 17th, they reported a huge 4,800% increase in the number of purchase and 10 mentions associated with Nintendo. Um, and hopefully you can see here that the um, explosion of social intent mentions uh, precedes and is very visible there in green and precedes the, um, the, the stock price movement uh, that surged soon after. Uh, this is Netflix. Tickertags, another firm that does analytics in the space, alerted customers ahead of Q3 earnings on the new Netflix show saying, Stranger Things sustained social popularity 90 days after release and that it would positively impact Q3 subscriber count. This was unexpected by the street. Netflix did announce high US and global subscriber numbers, and the stock surged 19% in after-hours trading. Chipotle. Chipotle and the Ricola problems has been a favorite for funds and firms using Twitter data. Um, however, it was also caught very nicely by Foursquare. Um, again, quick show of hands, who's familiar with Foursquare? Well, that's pretty good, probably about 30-40% of the room. Okay, for those of you that are not familiar with Foursquare, um, Foursquare is a um, social app that allows users to check into real locations to let their friends know what they're up to and to get tips on shops, restaurants, and other activities. Um, all their data is geotagged, and so in effect, it's a crowdsourced location data intelligence platform. Um, it was founded in 2009, has about 50 million monthly active users, um, uh, so Foursquare accurately predicted the Chipotle Q1 2016 sales down 30%. They were tracking foot traffic patterns on over 1,900 Chipotle locations and comparing them to the prior year. Um, it made headlines as many on the street were caught off guard by the size of the drop, especially since the CDC gave the, the, uh, the chain a clean bill of health uh, earlier in February. The stock fell 6% on the day. Moving on to event detection and breaking news. So here's our friend Carl Icahn, came back to him. Uh, and uh, a good number of you may have heard by now of his famous tweet from a few years ago. I don't know if you can read it from back there. We currently have a large position in Apple. We believe the company to be extremely undervalued. Spoke to Tim Cook today, more to come. And off of that single tweet, the stock surged, adding 17 billion in market cap in one hour. <laughs> this type of thing happens often on Twitter. 
In the case of Elon Musk, it happens frequently when he talks about Tesla. By notable example, this tweet um, about a new product announcement coming later that day. Tesla jumps 2% on the tweet, adding 670 million to the company's valuation. Then there was this tweet from Hillary Clinton during the primaries last year. Again, I'm not sure whether you can read it. I'll read it for you. Price gouging like this in the specialty drugs market is outrageous. Tomorrow, I'll lay out a plan to take it on. This was, in, this was related to the colorful market in uh, Shkoreli's Turing Pharmaceuticals uh, price increase. The tweet sent biotech stocks tumbling. The iShares NASDAQ biotech ETF was down nearly 5% on the day. The question one asks, though, is, you know, are these high-profile examples a flash in the pan, um, or do they happen often, and can you catch them ahead of others? Well, in the case of M&A breaking on Twitter, a firm called Celerity did a study on this, and they found that 28% of journalist-originated deals broke on Twitter ahead of traditional professional sources. And in those cases, the median time Twitter was ahead of pro sources was three minutes and 23 seconds. What's interesting is the different ways in which things do break on Twitter, and journalists actually frequently do it. They post on their own site and then instantaneously to Twitter so that they can get the scoop, and then it's on Twitter that it goes viral. Uh, here's an example of a local journalist igniting the Twitter flame. It's around the EU island tax ruling on Apple last year. Uh, Tony Connolly is the name of the journalist with RTE, Ireland's public broadcaster, and he tweeted, and again, I'll read it for you if you can't read it from the back, breaking, that EU commission will rule against Ireland and its tax arrangements with the US giant Apple tomorrow morning at RTE News Understands. Bloomberg Social Velocity picked this up, along with other tweets, and Apple fell around 3% on the news pre-market. In another example, a firm called Dataminer picked up first reports of a tentative agreement between Verizon and its unions after a six-week workers' strike. The Dataminer signal to clients preceded the initial stock price increase by seven minutes. And then there are natural disasters terror alerts, plane crashes, and frequent supply chain disruptions, events that are now uh, caught so uniquely by eyewitness accounts, citizen journalists, if you will, that anyone with a mobile device has become. And, and these happen very frequent, frequently. In this example, again, data miner, they alerted clients of a fire at an oil refinery in Louisiana. It caused a 5% spike in diesel futures. Moving on to geopolitical events. Social unrest and geopolitical events so uniquely unfold on social media. This one here, you can probably see, is the Turkish coup attempt of last summer. Bloomberg documented how this unfolded on the ground in Turkey through local journalists, citizen journalists, politicians, and others. On July 15th, Twitter was the first place that people went to to speculate that something was occurring in Turkey. News traveled quickly in tweets from local reporters where initial reports of large-scale traffic closings in the city helped drive the Lira's biggest plunge since the financial crisis. The MSCI ETF followed as it became clear that the situation was escalating with military presence throughout the capital. Oil prices surged as news of the Q attempt emerged, 
and bond markets reacted to the unrest in subsequent days. Um, we don't have enough time to go into other uh, uh, geopolitical examples here, but you know, famously, obviously, the Arab Spring uh, unfolded on social media, um, as did Grexit, as did Brexit, close to home for me. Uh, this is a headline from Bloomberg last summer. Again, I'll read it for you if you can't read it at the back of the room. Brevin, Discovery, Dodge Brexit Shock Using Technology Edge. The article goes on to say, before UK voters went to the polls, at least three prominent hedge funds sought ways to predict the outcome. Brevin Howard Asset Management used artificial intelligence technology to gauge sentiment on social media, a person with knowledge of the firm said. Uh, and in fact, I've heard it from one fund that said, you really couldn't trade Brexit without social media. Um, we've already talked about some academic research in the space. I'll just briefly mention this one, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's a University of Michigan study showing Twitter data predictive of the unemployment number published by the week, but weekly by the Department of Labor. But there's a good amount more research on shorter term signals as well as the predictive nature of social media data in markets. Um, but I think we're getting low on time here now, so I'll move to, um, to Q&A. And I've actually just, uh, and I shorted Toyota, thank you very much. Um, does that then change the way we look at Twitter uh, and other social media as an indicator? And does it then prompt us to take a closer look at uh, how we regulate it, how we respond to who's using it, and what happens as a result? Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating question. And, um, uh, you, you know, and essentially, I guess, is, you know, are, are people front-running on, on, on Twitter and can that be done? And I think absolutely it can be. Um, and I just think that's something that's been done in markets, you know, since, since the dawn of markets, whether it's, um, you, know, uh, you know, whether it's over the phone or through email or on chat boards. Um, this sort of thing happens. And, and indeed, um, I've, I've seen cases of regulators going after... Um, you know, investors doing this type of thing. Um, so um, I, don't, I, do, I don't know the big broad answer to that. I think that, you know, clearly if you are, uh, um, uh, if you're trading off of this data, you need to be aware of it. There's a hell of a lot of noise. Um, it's a very specialist um, uh, type of data uh, that requires, if you're dealing with the raw data, that requires very sophisticated, um, you know, AI techniques. Um, and um, yeah, Tra trade, trade with caution. Um, this is from my last uh, hat I used to wear, buying the data. Do you have multiple partners for your feed handlers? Because I know a lot of the, the banks, obviously, were looking into, I don't know, over the past few years, needing this information to you know, have the breaking news, but they needed to filter out like Kim Kardashian and, and shit like that. So. Basically, who do you partner with other than like Celerity or Celerity have an exclusive with you or how, yeah. many, how many folks do you have <coughs> well, that to be have those um, analytics? Yeah, let me, let me try and answer that. Uh, you know, to be clear, I left Twitter, Twitter late last year and I'm sort of consulting in the, in the area of alternative data generally. Um, so I can't speak specifically for Twitter, but I'll tell you the way it was when I was there, which was that, um, you know, there's really... Uh, I guess three ways to consume Twitter. One is get the app and just follow people, um, and I encourage you all to do that. It's a fantastic news source, a great product. Um, the second is to um, consume raw data, 
Um, it's a bit technical, but it's streaming JSON, and it's, uh, it's a lot of data, and it's very unstructured. There's some metadata associated with it. It's pretty unstructured data. So you need to have a sophisticated you know, data science team to be able to sort of derive any meaning from it um, and, uh, and, and indeed filter out you know, the things that aren't important to you. Um, Twitter, through the acquisition of, of GNIP, has uh, tools on the API and APIs that enable you to do that. But again, you need to be pretty sophisticated to do it. Um, and then there's an ecosystem of firms um, that provide a derived analytic in some way, shape, or form. Um, as I mentioned, there are a number of firms in the sentiment space. Uh, there are some firms that are longer look at longer-term signals around sort of consumer-type um, uh, conversation. There's folks in, in the breaking um, news event-type space like Data Miner. Um, and, and indeed, Bloomberg um, in particular have made a, a, a big push into it. And so you can find you know, tweets on the Bloomberg terminal as well. Okay. Thanks very much. 